You're listening to Reality San Francisco's weekly podcast. For more audio content or information, please visit us at realitysf.com. Even now, as I'm praying, God, what do you want me to say? I, I just felt God was saying, not a whole lot. Um, <laughs> seriously, and that I, 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 I need to turn it over to Dave in just a couple of minutes and just let him pastor you and shepherd you through because this was not so that you'd have one day experience like, okay, we did it, you know, we did the serve the city. If that's all it is, then that, that really wasn't the goal here. I mean, it was very helpful. Praise God for what you did today. But the desire was that you would take this now and, 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 and build off of it. Like, this is not the end. This is the start. Like, for a lot of us, it's, it's getting our feet wet and just loving on someone. And then we realize, man, that was really exciting. That was really cool. In fact, some of you felt a peace in your life that you haven't felt in a long time. Because as believers, we don't feel peace when we're comfortable. You know, we don't feel peace when we hide in fear and live safely. There's something that stirs in us because God says, I didn't give you that spirit. I gave you a spirit of power and of love and, and self-control. So when you overcome those fears and you go and you actually do something that requires faith, even though it's scary, suddenly you experience this peace. And you go, man, this is what, I want to live in this. That, that's why I came, that's why we started this ministry was like, I don't like this being a mission trip. I don't like it that you know once a year i'll go and do something you know that requires faith i want it to be a regular part of life and and so our hope is that for some of you you go back to exactly where you came from and you figure out how can i do this in my context how can i keep living in faith because god gave me a spirit of power it's about the church it's about the church that christ wants the 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 bride that he's looking for and, and just preparing this beautiful, beautiful bride. Um, but I, 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 can't, I can't stop thinking about the verse, though. 2 Timothy 1.7. God give, didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. And when I prayed on Thursday, I just, just spent the day, re, you know, just praying and thinking through the word and what God wants me to share this weekend. And and that was the verse, and I, and, and I was just praying, God, what, what would bring God, and I was thinking, you know, when I, when I say God, you know, just showed me something, it's because I'm reading the scriptures, and I'm thinking, and I'm praying all at once, and I, I come to this conclusion of what would honor him the most, like God in heaven, sitting on his throne, looking down at us, what would honor him the most, and I really believe that it's for us to take his word, really at his word, and say, okay, if he says he gave me, he put into me a spirit of power i want to believe that and say okay god i believe you that it's not just me on this on this platform right now but the spirit of god actually lives inside of me and he's not a spirit of fear so anytime i'm afraid guess who's getting into my head it's not god's spirit you know and say okay that's the enemy trying to get me scared again trying to get me afraid forget it no god you gave me a spirit of power see what would honor god is for everyone in this room to truly believe that that he put a spirit of power not of fear in you a spirit of power so that does something you should change something and you know some people say yeah i believe his spirit came into me but but you look at your life and you go but i, I don't see any change or 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 you you know people say well maybe the spirit comes into you and and there's no change and i go gosh that doesn't make sense does it so you're saying that that that, that god the spirit of him who raised christ from the dead 
All of that power is in you. God Almighty is inside of you now. And nothing's different? Like, how does that make sense? Remember, like, like 15 years ago, I was thinking about this, and I, I was watching TV with my wife, and just, you know, how those weird thoughts go, come in your head. 15 years ago, and I look at her, I go, honey, I go, have you ever thought about what goes through the mind of a caterpillar? And she goes, no, honey. I go, I have. Okay, I go, I go, and I was like, honey, just stay with me. Try to think. Okay, imagine yourself a caterpillar, okay? And all, you know, your whole life, your whole life, you're like in one little plot of dirt. You may crawl up the same stem over and over. You take a bite on the leaf, come back down. You know, that's just all you know. And then one day you take a nap. Okay, like a long nap. I go, try to think, okay? You wake up out of that nap. Can you imagine what goes through your mind when suddenly you're like, shut up. (laughs) And you're flying around, you got this skinny little body. Like, what would go through your head? Seriously, I mean, when you, you, you're just like, wait a second, all that time, that's all I've known is this one little piece of dirt, and now I'm flying, and I'm beautiful, and, and, I, and when I think of that, that I, I just go, man, that's what I see in Scripture. The Bible says if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, like the old is gone, and new things have come, you know, and I, I go, that's what I see in scripture is like, that was the old me. That was the old me. I was powerless. I was weak. You know, I couldn't, I had no self-control over my sin. I, I didn't care about other people. I was all about me. But now I've been given a new master. Now I have this new spirit. It's a spirit of power. It's a spirit of love. That's, that's why when you're selfish, it's like you're not at peace. Because you're like, man, I've got this new master. And every time I just sit there and think about me, 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 I don't have peace about it anymore. I've got to love. That's why you guys are here today. There's something inside you that says, man, I've got to love these people. I've got to care for these people. And that's why the same thing, that spirit of self-control that was placed in you. Every time you sin, it, it doesn't sit well with you, right? Every time you do something where you know it's offensive to God... You don't totally enjoy. Why? Because the Bible says you have a new master. The Bible says you've become a slave to righteousness. If I don't do the right thing, it kills me. I I blow it. I sin against God. But every time I do, it's like, oh, my master's saying that it doesn't feel right. And that's why today it's like this this sense of peace, like this team, this army that God's built. And you walk out there and go, "This, this feels right. This feels right. This, this goes in line with my new creation. It goes in line with the spirit that God gave me, the spirit of power, the spirit of love, the spirit of self-control. There was, um, I, I, have you guys ever seen like butterflies when uh, there'll be like a group of them and they'll just kind of uh, kind of roll around in the dirt? No? Okay. Because they don't. Okay, I just didn't know if you ever saw it, but... I thought someone might like, oh, yeah, 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 I've seen that. It's called, a, they don't do it. it. But to me, I feel like that's what the church sometimes looked like. It's like a bunch of us that have been transformed, but we're still crawling around like we're caterpillars still, you know? And we're still like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I've never been able to do that. It's like God creates this army. He goes, man, what would honor God is if he saw his army down here just saying, no, I'm bold. 
I'm powerful. I, I, let me just read this passage in um, Philippians. I can't see. Um, can you my glasses? Ah, this is so bad. Um, Philippians. Um, I don't know where the verse is. Oh, yeah, 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 I do. Okay, Philippians 1. Listen to this. Philippians 1, verse 27. It says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you, that you're standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. God says, you know, here's what I want. He goes, I want my people. I want you guys striving side by side with one mind. That's kind of like what we're doing today, right? And he goes, and I don't want you frightened by anything. Can, can, you, can, we, can we live that way? Can we stop living in fear and saying, okay, I believe, I'm going to trust you, God, that you put your spirit in me. I'm powerful. I'm a new creation. Your spirit walks with me. Can we stir one another up and strive side by side and say, we're not going to be afraid of anything. I, I tell you, walking around and seeing you today, because a lot of days I, I get bummed out out here. Sometimes you feel like alone or just a couple of us. But when there's just a group of people walking side by side, believing the Spirit of God is, is in them, doesn't it just seem a lot easier? And, and I just think, God, that's what you want your church to be, this fearless of group of people marching on. Last thought, I'm going to bring Dave up. I, I heard this illustration when I was in uh, high school. Um, so I don't know if it's true or not. But because uh, youth pastors make up a lot of stuff. Um, but my youth pastor, he said, uh, there's this legend anyways, we'll just put it that way, that Alexander the Great one day was looking over his army, and there was this one soldier that was just kind of out of line and a little disheveled, just, just didn't fit in with the rest, and he, he, he went up to him, just kind of disgusted, and said, hey, what is your name, soldier? And the soldier said, Alexander. And it said that Alexander just got furious. And he says, you either change your name or change the way you're living. I thought, wow, that's pretty powerful. You know, you don't call yourself Alexander. And, and I believe that the Lord is saying to his church, you're calling yourself Christian. You're taking on the name of Christ and, and, you know, we just sang that song, our God is greater, our God is stronger. Like, we're taking on his name. And he's saying, look, what I want is for you to live in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus. I want you to walk in power. I want you, when you take that name, Christian, to know that Christ is in you now. And to say, you know what, that is a spirit of power. And so I'm not going to be frightened by my enemies. I want us to be brothers and sisters that come alongside of each other and stir one another up when we get afraid and go, no, no, no. Just like Paul was telling Timothy, look, God didn't give you that spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power, of love, and self-control. So let's march together in that. Come on, let's get fired up. Let's believe this. Let's strive side by side for the gospel and, and, and not be afraid of anything. Just, just what an amazing thing. Just what an amazing thing to offer up his bride. I mean, I was so blessed today because I thought, has this ever 
right here for one church, cancel your services, and serve in the city. This many people, has it ever happened in the history of the city? I mean, you think about that. You go, God, are you creating something new? You know, were we just a part of something that God created today and is doing today? And I just get so pumped up about this. You know, when, I, when, when Dave and I, we, we've been hanging out, you know, ever since I moved out here, and just, just a great friendship. I just love this guy. I love what God's done through him. It's so clear that God has anointed him for this time to be a leader in this city. And uh, man, we just, I, I just want to do anything to support him and, and Ashley and, and everything just in what they're doing. And I just praise God for that. In fact, I, I want to pray for you as, as you come up and just, uh, why don't you come on up here? Let me just pray for you. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that Dave wants Jesus Christ to get all of the glory. God, just every time we pray, every time we talk, it's always about Jesus. And how, how can we make Jesus' name great without making an organization or a church or a person? How can we do this? How can we do this? How can we do ministry in a way where no one gets lifted up except for Jesus, the Son of God who's sitting on this throne right now with millions of angels worshiping him? How can we keep the focus on him so that people would see Jesus is great, Jesus is worth it, and Jesus would live in me, would walk alongside of me. God, that's all we want. And I, I pray that you give him tremendous wisdom, wisdom way beyond his years, way beyond his experience, God. Supernatural wisdom. Would you fill him with your spirit to lead this church, God? God, I pray that you protect him from the evil one, that you keep him pure and focused on you. I pray that you give him just that, that spirit of boldness and that Satan would never get him in, in his head to make him think that he can't do this or that he's weak or that he's not smart enough or he's not gifted enough, God. It is all about your spirit, Lord. And so may he have confidence in you, confidence to lead reality boldly, Lord. We need leaders like him in this city. And I just pray right now, again, all of us in our agreement, we love David and we praise you that you brought him into the city. And I pray that you would lead through him in an even greater way this year and even right now as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. As um, we started today, and as Francis and I were walking around with a group of people, we were watching you guys as you guys were serving, and, and Francis said, I think he said it really well, he's like, don't you feel like a, like a proud dad as you're seeing everyone moving around and serving? And that's exactly how it feels and how this has felt today, because this is why we started the church. We didn't start the church that, that, so that people would come into a building and that we'd sing songs you're like, oh, this song and oh my gosh, this sermon. It, it really started this church because we wanted to see San Francisco change. That was from the very beginning. Not, and not, we, we love how eccentric San Francisco is. We have, love how colorful it is. We love all that stuff. We want to see it redeemed. So we're not like coming in here with like triumphalism, like, hey, let's change San Francisco and make it like this, you know, like Salt Lake City of, of, of California or something like that or, or like Grand, we're not trying to make it Christian Christianese. We really want to see this city redeemed, and that's why we came in here. 
And so when we're walking around today, we got a glimpse of that. I think you guys got a glimpse of it too. Did you guys walk around, you guys were serving, did you get a glimpse that, oh my gosh, this is possible? Like, San Francisco becoming redeemed is a possibility. When I saw that 850 of our church gathered this morning, I was floored. I'm like, oh my gosh, like they all, they, they showed up, like they, all of them, they, and everybody was so excited and so pumped about going out and serving and giving their lives up, and it's, and, and as we were leading into this, this, this day, we had prayer meetings, and, and one of the things that we, we started off in this prayer meeting was about, this is our duty. This isn't like some, like special call. This, what we, what we did today is bare minimum Christianity. It's not like super Christianity. You were not a super Christian today, Okay. <laughs> You're like, I was super, no, you were like bare minimum. You're like, give your life and serve. And that's what you did. You're like, oh, I'm like, this is, and the reason why this felt like so, so, so real and so amazing is because this is why God redeemed us. This is why God saved us. This is why he says, I'm, you're my special people, my, my holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people I've called out of darkness into light and sent back into the world. What you were doing today and what we did today and the reason why we kept it in San Francisco was because this is the way we're supposed to live. This is the way we're supposed to live right here. Our lives given away for the gospel of Jesus is the way that we're supposed to live. And the reason why we didn't want to take you away from San Francisco is because we're supposed to live like that here. We're supposed to live like that whether you work a couple blocks away in the financial district, whether you live a couple blocks away in Soma, wherever you work and live in San Francisco, this is the way that we're called to live. Now, someone asked, does that mean... Um, that I have to talk to, to people every day, like walking down the street, that might mean that. It might mean that. But what we want to get in your head is that, that this, the church is to be, and this is kind of what I want to talk about tonight as we close, and I'm not going to talk for that long, is I want to be a church that's radically generous with our lives, with our money, with our time, with our resources, but radically pure. Radically generous, and radically pure. I was reading a book this last week, and it said that in America, it was talking about America's problem with the church. Why does America not like the church? Or why, even more specifically, why does San Francisco not like the church? And he says, you have one side that says America's problem with the church is that she's kicking out church and religion from the public sector. That this nation is becoming increasingly secular, and all the Christian people are in uproar that our nation's become becoming increasingly secular. That's what's wrong with America. America's problem is that we're becoming too secular. Then the other side that says, no, the problem with our nation is that we're too religious. And as Christopher Hitchens says, religion poisons everything. You have these two sides, and this is what this writer wrote, and it's, it's actually really brilliant. He said, America's problem isn't too much religion or too little of it. It's bad religion. The slow motion collapse of traditional Christianity and the rise of a variety of destructive pseudo-Christianities in its place. I believe that the problem that Christianity suffers in San Francisco is not too much or too little of itself. It's a bad version of it. This is what we've seen. This is, and you have to know this. If you live in this city or around this city, you have to know that's this, this city's history. With the church in San Francisco... In 1975, a pastor by the name of Jim Jim Jones moved his church to San Francisco on Gary Boulevard, just right up the road up here. His church attracted hundreds of people. He gave sermons about liberal ideas, pushing integration, attacking sexism, urging care for the poor. And the church flocked, I mean, hundreds of people, and, and, and the, the Board of Supervisors was on his side. Politics was on his side. He was a huge popular pastor in this city. 
But behind the scenes, it was a completely different story. It was a darker world. Jim Jones, who was married, had many affairs with female and male followers, and he bragged about it behind the scenes. He staged healing miracles, touching the ill and injured. He even beat people in his church that didn't obey him, beat them. There was also a man at the same time who lived here named Dan White. He was a conservative church-going fundamental who was elected to the Board of Supervisors in 1977 by campaigning as a defender of traditional values. He was a fundamental Christian. He was a Catholic, actually. And he, 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 he brought forth spiritual ideals. He was talking about raising San Francisco on fundamental values. On November 1978, more than 900 people men and women and children from Jonestown, led by Jim Jones, committed mass suicide. And you know how. They all drank Kool-Aid. You guys know that story. It's happened. It started here. Ten days later, after this mass suicide, ten, day, ten days later, Dan White climbed through the window of Mayor Moscone's office, shot and killed him, and then Dan went looking for Harvey Milk, the first openly gay man elected to public office, and shot him as well. The popular liberal pastor involved in social action leading 900 followers to take their lives and the conservative church-going fundamental city supervisor snaps and kills the mayor and the first openly gay man to hold public office. This city has seen bad religion. When the gospel first exploded in a very hugely and secular cities like Rome and Corinth, people in these cities were astounded by the church. And this is what they said. They said two things about the church. They said, first, the followers of Christ, and they didn't understand why. They didn't get the church. They said, Christians were radically generous. They were liberal with generosity. But they're radically pure, and we don't understand that. We get the liberal people, and they're liberal with everything. They're liberal with their time, their money, but also their beds, and their bodies, and their mouths. And we get the pure people, and they're pure with everything, with their bed, but also with their money. And they're very conservative with everything. But what, what they couldn't get for the, from the early church is that how they were both generous and pure. They were generous with the way they served their city. They gave away large amounts of their income to the poor. They gave a lot of human resource to the city. They loved and served the city, but they were pure. They had a radical sex ethic. They even had a saying about the church in Rome. They said they shared their, their tables with everyone, but their beds with no one. They didn't understand that. They opened up their homes and shared their tables with everyone, but they wouldn't share their beds. I say this because I think some of us have generosity, but not purity. And when we do that, we become like Jim Jones. We'll serve, we'll advocate, we'll give, but we'll lose our soul. It'll be the destruction of everyone around us. It'll poison everything. You might be very, very, very generous in here, but are very generous with your sexuality as well, with the way that you drink, with the way that you party, with the way that you do that, with the way you live in San Francisco and you got wrapped up in this whole thing. You're like, I give my life on Sunday and I serve and I'll serve down the Tenderloin, I'll serve anywhere in the city, but I am partying when it's my time. And so you're generous but you're impure. And there's, there's those of us in here that are also radically pure, but you have no generosity. You might be pure, but you, when you look around the tenderloin, like they have, the reason why they're in their, what they did, the reason why they're in their situation because they've, 
And you have a list of things. They should have done this. They should have done more of that. They should have saved. They should have stayed in school. They, should, they can go out and get a job. They, and you're, you're, you're so locked in your, the, the fundamental way that you think that you're not generous anymore. And if you were honest, you, would, what, you, you look around San Francisco and you, you, you want to take people out. People that don't believe like you. People that don't have the same sex ethic as you do. People that don't have the same view of the scriptures you do. You want to fight them. What the church needs is a radical generosity and a radical holiness. What this church needs is a radical generosity and a radical holiness. We need to be generous, church, with our time and our money and our lives, but we need to be radically pure, and San Francisco will not know what to do with us at all. They will go, they have the weirdest, they meet in the Castro and they have the weirdest sex ethic we've ever heard of. We don't agree with them at all, but they give their lives for the city. And we want to reject them, but we can't. They have this genuine love for people and a genuine love for God that we cannot deny. Because it's, it's seriously my burden to, and I, I don't know, it might happen in our lifetime or not. I, I, I want, if the Lord tarries, I want to see the church in San Francisco to be an unstoppable force in the city for the cause of Christ, for the, for the sake of the gospel. And after today, I know, I, 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 it's possible. I look at this and I go, it's, whoa, this is possible. Like this might be, might be a two-year plan now. It just went from a 20-year plan to a two. I mean, this is possible. I want to read First Peter, First Peter 2, and then I want to, I want to spend some time praying. First Peter 2, 9. It says this, and I, and I quoted this earlier, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is you. This is, this is what you are. You are this, as, as France was saying, that you're a new creation. What is this new creation? Well, you're a chosen race of people, a new race, race made, made up of many races, a royal priesthood, priests ministered on behalf of people before God, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. You're his special possession that you may proclaim. Why? Why are you this person? Why are, this, why are we this people? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you and I were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among Gentiles honorable so that they may speak against you as, so when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That you're this holy, we're this holy people set apart for God. Why? That, that we would proclaim to the world the excellencies of God, the glory of God, who he is. And then we would conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of God in a manner that worthy, worthy of that, the fact that we've been saved. Now, I don't, I don't say all this to put a heavy trip on you. You might be saying, oh my gosh, what he's talking about is impossible. And here's the deal. It is completely impossible. If you're super generous in here by nature, but super impure, you're like, okay, so willpower, okay, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna be pure. That will last maybe, I don't know how long it'll last. Or if you're like, okay, I'm, I've got that purity, I'm gonna be generous. You need, I need, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. As Francis was sharing, the power of the Holy Spirit, you cannot do this in your own power. None of us have this. All of us are impure by nature. All of us are bent inward. All of us are sinners. 
All of us. And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do tonight is I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward in a second. And what I want to do is I want to pray because this is so out of our league and over our heads. I feel completely out of my league. I share this often with this church. I feel completely over my head here. We need the Spirit of God. No one, no one could look at this church and say it was anyone on staff. You know that. No one could look at what God wants to do in San Francisco and say it was reality. It has to be a move of the Spirit of God. God has to do this. We need the Spirit of God. We need, to, we need to put our dependence upon him and get prayer for the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. The Father sent the Son and the Son sent the Spirit and Jesus said, greater things will you do when I go to the Father and then right after he, in John 14, explains, because you will be given a helper, the Holy Spirit of the living God will live inside of you. And so if you're going, okay, I want to, do, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this. The only way that we can do this is by the Spirit of God. And so I'm going to ask you to do something. You might not have ever done this before, but come forward for prayer. And the way I want you to come forward for prayer is not like you, you might like come up for prayer, okay, I have three prayer requests, have a job request, and a relationship request, and then a roommate request. <laughs> like that's, I, I, not, not, not tonight, that's next Sunday. You could do that next Sunday. Those are valid, amazing prayer requests. We get, I'm not trying to, but tonight it's this. I need the Spirit of God. That's what we're praying and so we want people to lay hands on you. And they're going to pray that you would be emptied of yourself and filled with the Spirit of God. And the, books, the Bible says in the book of Acts that the, the evidence of the Spirit of God, though there's many signs of the Spirit of God, the evidence is power. After Jesus was going to ascend to heaven, he says, tells his disciples, now, I want you to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power. You have no power now. Just before that, they were hiding in a room, all afraid. And then they're given the Holy Spirit, and they bust out of the room and start preaching to thousands of people. What's the difference? The Holy Spirit. That's it. We need the Spirit of God. So we're going to pray for you. And it's not weird if you're like, oh my gosh, it's going to get super weird. It's been weird since this morning, okay? So don't even, <laughs> so don't even worry about that. But what we want to do is we're just going to pray for you. And, and, and if you're thinking, okay, what, what, what is, what's going to happen when, once you pray? You're going to receive power. That's, that's it. You're going to see, receive power to be generous. You're going to receive power to be pure. You're going to receive power to live the Christian life out in San Francisco. The city can't, I love, what I love about the city, you can't be lazy in the city. You can't. You can't be lazy because it's too hard to live here financially, and it's too hard to live here spiritually to be lazy. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. And so we're going to do that. So I want the, if the prayer teams, can, they're going to be over here. If, um, can we move those little box thingies just over the side a little bit? Prayer team over here, prayer team over here as well. Let me pray. Invite the worship team back up. Spend some time. And I'm going to do is just, you guys just come forward. Come forward after I'm done praying. And there might be a little line. Just let them pray for you. Power of the Holy Spirit. If some of you just feel a need to come forward and get on your face or in the back or on the side, get on your face before God, do that. Let's respond to God. Let's first respond to God like, God, thank you so much for sending your church into the world. Thank you. What a, what a gift, God, that we are your church that you're sending into the world. 
And let's pray, God, we can't do this without your power. We need the Spirit's power. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you, God, that you are so in love with San Francisco. That your hand of, hand of even mercy has been upon it. You could, and you could enact judgment. You could enact wrath. You can do all of that, and you would be completely justified in doing that. But, God, you've chosen mercy. And even greater, God, you've chosen grace. Thank you, God. I thank you, God, that you're calling your church into the city. And we're praying a very, very bold prayer that we cannot attain in our own flesh. We cannot program good enough. We cannot get all the right people in place enough, God. We are asking you to send out laborers into the harvest. And many of them, God. We see San Francisco as a place that your spirit wants to do something in that maybe has never been done in the history of the city. And we see, God, we're, we're seeing the stirrings of it, the murmurings of it, the rumors, kind of like when you were resurrected, there's these rumors that were going around, like, oh my, is, did you see him? Did you see him? Like, those sort of things are happening in our midst, God. You're among us, Lord. And we might just be so excited about what you're doing, but let, we cannot be foolish. We cannot do this in our own strength. We cannot do it in our own power. We cannot do it with our own money. We cannot do it with our own mental capacity. We need the Holy Spirit of God to fill us. That you would give us power, love, sound mind, self-control. And so God, I pray for this church. I ask God as we come forward and say that we need the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you would fill us. That you would send us, God for the glory and the fame and the name of Jesus, not the name of reality, not the name of City Impact, not the name of any man or band or pastor or organization, a movement of God. We want to be a, a, a barely even a footnote, God, in what you're doing. Do something that nobody knows where it's coming from or where no one could explain it. It's the Spirit of God. Would you please do that in our midst? We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.